Welcome back in to the OSU Women's Soccer Podcast, our first episode of the new semester. We're really excited to bring you coverage all season long. It's the usual crew, me, uh, Ben Hutchins, my brother, Sam Hutchins, Jacob Sturm, and Adam Ingle. And guys, we have a very special crew member today. <laughs> in terms of OSU soccer guests, I-, I don't know if you can have a better guest to have on the podcast. With us today is uh, Coach Colin Carmichael. Coach, thanks for joining us. Wow, that's quite quite an intro. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> no, you're certainly deserving of it. And also, you know, one of the nicest people uh, we've met in our OSU, um, you know, so far in our media careers. So we're really happy to have you on. Um, Coach, I, we're trying to figure out here, we're looking through the media guide, and we wanted to kind of get an idea, you know, before we ask you some of the more fun questions we got. Um, h- how did you come to America? You know, wh- when was that? And what did that kind of look like for you? Yeah, wow. Um so I obviously born uh, in Scotland, a town called Airdrie, a um, small town in Scotland. All, all my family are from there, so had no connections or affiliations to the U.S. And then uh, my dad, when I was, I think, 10, maybe turning 11, um, my dad was offered an opportunity to, to work down in Houston. He did uh, a lot of engineering work with the oil and gas industry. So he got a great opportunity to uh, <clears throat> head up a subsidiary company in, in Houston and he came over for, I think, three to six months by himself, came back and, you know, talked with my mom, I'm sure, and figured out that this would be a great opportunity, moved to family. My, my, my middle sister, myself, and my parents moved to Houston. So I uh, went to high school all through uh, growing up in Houston and then uh, stayed on to go to college. And uh, my family, actually, my freshman year of college, moved back to Scotland. So that, that for me, is the only the only one left, which I'm not sure what that says about my relationship with my parents. But uh they, uh, they got a great opportunity to move back. So, yeah, came over basically because of my dad's work and, uh, you know, never really looked back. Now, I know that Sam and I, uh, for exact same reasons, for our dad's work, we moved from uh, North Texas to Oklahoma. And at the time, we were, you know, uh, like 11 years old in coach. That was earth shattering. We were devastated yeah. when it happened. You know, how did that, you know, for you as a, as a you know, young guy growing up, were you happy about the move to, to Houston? Initially, no, I cried every night. Um, you know, I went, I, I'm sure I had culture shock. I went from a town of about Stillwater size in Scotland to Houston, Texas, you know, five, six million people. So, um, yeah, definitely didn't fit in, didn't like it. Um, I missed my soccer teams that I'd, I'd come up with in Scotland and missed all my friends and everything. So it was crazy. Uh, but, you know, I would say about a year in is when uh, it started. I started doing a lot better, and then, you know, after about a year or two, you just kind of assimilate to the culture, and, um, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, you know, my, my, my best memories and my best friends are growing up in Houston, going to college, and, and playing soccer, so, uh, yeah, it was, initially, it was a culture shock, but once I got used to it, I loved it. Yeah, Coach, uh, speaking of culture shock, how, I mean, how interesting, like, what was it like where growing up in Scotland, you you know you're a soccer crazed kid. You moved to Houston, where football is king. I mean, how 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 did all that go? Well, like I said, at first I, I hated it. You know, you, you turn on the news in Scotland, or you read a newspaper back then. It was all soccer. That's all you saw. That's the, that's what I lived and breathed. And in Houston at that time, it was like you know there was nothing. There was no pro soccer there. There was there was just nothing uh, for me to, to get into. So um, it was hard. Uh, but, you know, like any young kid, you just want to fit in with the other kids. And 
you know, I, I started getting into baseball and I started getting into football and, and kind of enjoying all the things that went with supporting like the Houston Astros and the Rockets and things like that. So um, initially it was really tough, but, uh, you know, like I said, one, once you get a group of friends and you just want to fit in with them, it, it becomes a lot easier. Uh, growing up, who was your favorite Houston Astro? Oh man, uh, back then it was Nolan Ryan, right? It was uh, um, was it Steve Scott maybe and Nolan Ryan that did the two pitchers, and then uh, there was a there was a hitter. Uh, I think it was Jose Cruz. Um, that's going way back, by the way. That's like early <laughs> mid eighties. So, uh, but yeah, those those are those are kind of my memories of watching the Astros and you know the Houston Oilers at the time. It was uh, Earl Campbell. You know, he mm-hmm. was the big name guy, so it was fun. Coach, uh, this is Sam speaking. As a North Texan, I'm a Rangers fan, so I don't really like the Astros much, but I understand I have a little soft spot for Nolan Ryan as well. Um, one of the questions I had written down, I'll ask you, was, you know, as a soccer coach who, you know, kind of lives soccer, uh, what is your favorite sport to watch on TV? Is it soccer, or do you find something, uh, another sport that you don't, you know, have a profession in uh, more enjoyable? Yeah, soccer for sure is number one. Um, you know, I, I love watching the Champions League, the Europa League, um, the EPL, of course. Uh, I watch some MLS and NWSL when it's on. Um, <clears throat> my team is uh, Glasgow Rangers, so I try to watch them. They're not on TV as much, but they're on stream all the time, so I get to watch all their games. Um, but, you know, I do love other sports. I, I watch basketball. I love basketball. That's probably my second favorite sport. Uh, I definitely watch football. Um you know, occasionally I'll watch baseball if it's a playoffs or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I'd say soccer's clearly number one, but I really do enjoy watching good basketball games. Gotcha. Now, did you did you always want to be a soccer coach growing up? Or, you know, I doubt you ever thought you might move to the States. But, you know, what did you kind of envision as, as you, you know, it sounded like uh, you were a huge sports fan. Was that always the goal to be a soccer coach? No, not really. Um, always to be a professional soccer player. Um, you know, right from when... I was a little five, six-year-old just starting to play soccer in, in Scotland. That was my dream, like like most young kids over there. Um, you know, I wanted to play pro, and, you know, I didn't really get into coaching or really think much about it until I went to college. And um, I started working summer camps and coaching some youth teams to make, just basically to make some extra money throughout my college years. And I loved it. I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, my coaching in, in uh, university, I went to University of South Alabama in Mobile, and our head coach was a guy named Roy Patton. Uh, he's from Northern Ireland, and, um, you know, he was a fantastic coach, kind of a mentor of mine, and um, I just saw the lifestyle that he lived, coaching college soccer and just having a great life, being around young people, being around soccer all the time, and, you know, I'd say about halfway through college, I realized, you know what, that's a pretty good gig, and um, I really, you know, at that point, I would say that's something that I went from, I still wanted to be a professional player, no question, but, um, you know, I kind of knew that maybe down the road coaching would be for me as opposed to, I think my undergraduate degree was international business and marketing, and um, needless to say, I lost interest in that (laughs) through college, and uh, I think that's where I decided that coaching could be in my future, yeah. What what, what was your favorite class in in college? Man, um... Not many. <laughs> I'm definitely not the poster child. You know, we preached our kids about education and going to class, and I, I could have used more people preaching at me about that. But, um, you know, to be honest, undergrad, I kind of survived. You know, all the accounting and the financial classes, I, I kind of got by. Uh, but I did my, my master's degree in exercise science, and that mm-hmm. interested me, you know, because you could relate a lot of it to playing soccer and coaching. And, uh, you know, the... the um, anatomy and physiology classes and some of the classes that involve reveal to max and measuring some 
data points that now uh, you know are so common in everything we do. Um, those classes got me interested because I could really relate them to what I enjoyed. Uh, the business classes didn't really interest me as much because it really wasn't something I was passionate about. Hey, hey, coach. Um, so one thing I'll ask you is what what is your favorite sports moment that you've ever got the chance to witness? And um, is there any specific pro sports moment that you got to witness that you just that stands out to you as well? Wow. Um, witness in person or TV? Yeah, um, either one, honestly. OK. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, from from my personal playing career, um, you know, we, uh, my senior year, well, I'll, I'll backtrack, my freshman year in college, I missed the penalty kick in my very first college game, so I had a very auspicious start to my career, and <laughs> I was devastated for a couple of weeks, as you can imagine, and didn't want to take another PK, and uh, confidence was wrecked, that sort of thing, and then fast forward to my senior year in college, we were in a penalty shootout for the conference championship, and I got to score the winning PK. So on a personal level, that was a huge moment for me. It was kind of like redemption all the way from my freshman to senior year. Um, you know, at Oklahoma State, uh, the first time we won our Big 12 championship um, down in San Antonio, we beat Missouri in overtime with a golden goal free kick from Nikki Witowicz. Uh, that, that's just a special moment because it kind of – you know, justified, you know, Karen and I had been trying to build this thing at that time, and it was very, very difficult. There were there were times we probably questioned whether we could get it done here, and mm-hmm. I'm sure there was times the administration questioned if we could get it done here, and that sort of put us on the map and got us rolling forward, so that's a really good moment. Um, and then professionally, um, you know, I went when I was probably early 20s. I was back uh, in Scotland at Christmas, and I got a ticket to watch uh, Glasgow Rangers against Glasgow Celtic, and those things are like gold in our country. Those tickets, <laughs> awesome. they're, they're not easy to get. So I got a ticket and I had an awesome day out and um, went to the game and Rangers won 3-2. It was one of the best, you know, uh, they call it the old firm derby. It was one of the best mm. derbies, uh, you know, the, at that time. And um, that was just, you know, an awesome experience for me because my dad would never take me to those games growing up because there was always a lot of crowd trouble and violence around the games. Um so getting to go to that game was awesome. So those are some just off the top of my head that stick out to me. Coach, I, I, I'm just interested, you, you know, growing up in Scotland and, and then America, and, of course, you know, you've been in America for a while. How how have you seen the sport of soccer just grow in, in general, spe- you know, specifically on the girls' side in America? Yeah, it's been a fantastic growth. Um you know, back uh, when I was just finishing college, probably in grad school, is when Title IX really was able to push women's soccer to the forefront. And a lot of the bigger state schools started women's pro- soccer programs within a, a sort of a four or five year period of each other. All these programs sprouted up. And to me, that was kind of the, the starting point that, that kick started a real growth. Um, you know, the, the U.S. women's national team had, had done really well prior to that. Um, mm-hmm. or right around that time and I think that's what kicked it all off and when you when you see where where that started to now <clears throat> in the college ranks I mean you got these stadiums like we have in Neil Patterson Stadium and you know the facilities and the infrastructure and the support that we get budget wise it's, it's quite amazing to, to see the growth of the college game and that translates to the pro game now there's the mm-hmm. NWSL attracts uh, some of the best players not just in the u.s but from all over the world it's on national tv 
Um, you can stream every game. The top players, um, you know, on the U.S. national team are, are making a ton of money uh, for their media rights and things like that. So, you know, that was unthinkable 25, 30 years ago. So it's it's been unbelievable. And that obviously translates to the youth side where all these mm-hmm. young girls are running around with, uh, you know, Alex Morgan and, and Megan Rapino jerseys on mm-hmm. and, and going crazy. So, uh yeah, it's been it's been pretty special to see the growth, and uh, I still think it's got a ways to go, but um, it's on a great trajectory right now. I think women's sports in general is on an, an upward path right now. Absolutely. How much how much of an advantage would it be for Neil Patterson Stadium to have an identical atmosphere to the soccer matches over uh, in your home country, the one that you watched? <laughs> well, it's amazing. I mean, the, the intensity of, of those games when when it's uh, packed stadium and. Um, you know, the the crowd are singing and chanting, and uh, yeah, it, it just gives you that extra motivation. We get that. Um, it's, it's like a full gala drive for basketball, right? I mean, when that mm-hmm. place is rocking, the, the opposing team looks scared. They, they look like <laughs> they don't know what they're doing sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, we, we have that advantage for sure in our world. Um, NPS, when it's full, I, I know our kids get fired up, and the Orange Outlaws get the drums going and everything. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. It gives us an advantage, but yeah, you could probably multiply it by 10 if it was... Uh, if it was a lot like the, the European <laughs> stadiums when they're full, it's it's just it's something you got to do. If you love sports, whether you're a soccer fan or not, if you get the chance to go to you know Spain or England or Germany or Italy or anywhere like that and, and go to a top-level game, it's it's quite an experience. Well, next time you have uh, four of those golden tickets lying around, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll fly out to Scotland with you and go watch that match. <laughs> hey, let's make it a road trip. I'm in. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Coach, uh, this is a question that um, I thought up on the walk over here uh, while I was in the snow. Um, it's, I'm going to put a hypo- hypothetical scenario for you, all right? Yep. This is uh, if you if I gave you the opportunity to join an intramural <laughs> soccer team here at Oklahoma State, could you be more impactful as a player or a coach? Which would you which role would you be better suited to take the team to the, you know, win the uh, intramural champion t-shirt? <laughs> Well, right, right now as a coach, because I'm way too old to run around with you guys, that's for sure. Um, so definitely as a coach, I, I think you could probably put me up front, and as long as I didn't have to run very much, I might I might get a goal or two here and there. But yeah, ask, asking me to run around the field, just the girls are always giving me grief about it too. Like, why don't you jump in at practice? I'm like, trust me, I, if I do that, our trainer's going to be walking over. So, um, but I will share, when, when, when Karen and I started the program here, um, our, our grad assistant goalkeeper coach uh, was in vet med school, and the vet med students had an intramural co-ed soccer team. Mm-hmm. So they invited Karen and I to come out. Well, we were obviously a lot younger, and <laughs> I was still playing at a decent level with the Tulsa Roughnecks. So <laughs> I thought, yeah, this will be great. Well, little did I know, some of those uh, intramural games get a little heated. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, some of those guys are sort of you know living out some glory days from high school and they want to make a point and i think when they saw the soccer coaches they thought we're gonna get these guys so i <laughs> i took a few bumps and bruises that I, I i thought i was going out there to just jog around and have a little bit of fun and quickly realized that you know i better be on my toes because these guys <laughs> wanted to win pretty bad so uh but it was fun we had a good time was that a pretty successful intramural run you had we did. We actually won. Um, made it nice. to the championship game, and I, I think we even won in a penalty shootout. So it was kind of awesome. crazy. Um, so, How about that had, redemption we, we arc? Had our goalkeeper, Christy Barringer, at the time, she actually used to play at Vanderbilt. So, you know, she didn't let much in. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, Karen and I uh, scored a few goals. And, and we actually had some other pretty good players that were in the vet med school. So, uh, yeah, we, we won the championship, but uh, 
like I said, there was a few moments. Uh, I may or may not have got a couple of yellow cards. I can't remember, <laughs> but I'm not going to let any detail. <laughs> did, did you get a T-shirt? Do you have a T-shirt lying around somewhere? No, you know what? I wish we had. We should have got a little trophy or something. I know we went to Eskimo Joe's and uh, did a little celebration. I remember that. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, Coach, uh, do, do you play FIFA? I do not, but my son does. <laughs> we were going to ask you uh, how good you are. Uh, never, I shouldn't say never. I've played with him just to see, but I, I don't know all the controls and everything yeah. and I don't have the patience to, to learn it. He's, he's pretty good. I'm sure for an 11 year old, he's, <laughs> he does okay. Um, I'm not sure what level he's on, but he, he loves to play it. Um, whenever he's not playing Fortnite, he plays FIFA, so I guess <laughs> yeah. it's a good thing. Hey, what's the, uh, what's the, if you had to look back and, you know, maybe it was that goal you described on the penalty shootout. Um, to win the conference championship. What's the best goal you've ever scored in a competitive soccer match? Uh, let me think here. Just thinking of a couple. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the most significant was that penalty, which is not the best goal, but it was the most significant because, you know, it clinched, clinched the trophy for us. So it was, a, it was a great moment for me personally and obviously for our team. Um, so that was really cool. Um, I remember scoring a free kick. We were college team was playing at Wake Forest and they were ranked, you know, top five, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had a good team, but we weren't ranked. And um, I remember scoring a free kick, uh, you know, where, where I, I was able to bend it up over the wall and score. We lost the game, so it kind of paled in significance, but I was pretty proud of the shot. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I played uh, indoor. Justin and I played for the Tulsa Roughnecks. We played indoor and outdoor um, for those guys. And uh, I do remember scoring uh, like a long-range shot in an indoor game for the Roughnecks where it's just one of those ones you just hit it as hard as you can and hope for the best. And this one, I'm sure many of them went sailing high over the bar, but this one happened to go right into the top corner. And uh, a couple of our OSU players were at the game. (laughs) And so, you know, I played awful. I'm not going to lie. The rest of the game, I, I wasn't very good. But I was able to hang my hat on that shot. I think I at least got a little bit of credibility at that point. But uh, that, that's probably faded by now, I would guess. Coach, is there uh, is there maybe um, a Colin Carmichael highlight reel on YouTube anywhere? <laughs> or I'm not sure uh, what the uh, film was like at uh, on those roughneck days or the uh, uh, Southern Alabama days. But is there a film? Is there a highlight reel anywhere? It was hard to come by back then. It's uh, it's crazy how much that's changed as well, right? Um, you know, there was no YouTube or anything, so there, there might be something somewhere, but I don't have any of them. I know that it, it might be more of a blooper reel at times, but, uh, <laughs> and, and it, I'm sure it looks a little grainy if you found anything, but, uh, you know, most of our games in college were not video. We, we didn't break down video or any of that wow. stuff back then. Um, Roughnecks, they may have videoed some, but. You know, I, if if it's somewhere, I don't I don't have any idea where it might be, and maybe maybe that's for the best. It should stay hidden. Well, well, coach, you know that that's that's the next question I was going to ask. It's really interesting because you know I, I you talked earlier about the the growth uh, of the sport, but really the growth of technology. But you know, you're at South South Alabama. I don't even I don't even think they have a men's soccer team anymore. Uh, no. At at when you were with the Tulsa Roughnecks, you know that that's. That's like uh, lower level uh, 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 USL. At, at, at that time, I mean, are there any like funny like I guess m- minor league stories that that, that 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 you have that you have from there? Oh, for sure. Um, 
you know, I'll never forget. I, I played well, a couple of them. I played for the Mobile Revelers before I moved up to Oklahoma. So I was in grad school. I was done playing. I was coaching uh, with Karen, the women's team at South Alabama, and finishing grad school. And I uh, played for the Mobile Revelers, which, like you said, it's low-level pro, semi-pro, uh, probably like the minor leagues in baseball is mm-hmm. the best analogy you can have. Sure. So I'll never forget. We were playing in North Carolina. And our owners, you know, were trying to save some money. And, um, you know, as usual, we, we didn't have a whole lot of money. So they decided in their wisdom that we were going to jump on a bus at like 9 o'clock at night, drive through the night, probably to save on a nice hotel, I would guess, um, arrive, you know, 10, 11 in the morning, um, get a nap, and then go play that evening, and then drive home through the night. So we're thinking to ourselves, this is not going to end well. So, um we get on the bus, there's pizza, uh, so that, that was our meal, and then obviously cold pizza <laughs> a little bit later <laughs> on the trip, we're all sleeping on the bus, and, you know, I never forget, there's four to a room back then, you know, there was none mm. of this two to a room, we're, you know, grown men all sharing this room, and, you know, we get a nap in, and then it's time to go play, well, needless to say, we got smacked like five nothing, <laughs> and, you know, you jump on the bus and come straight home, it was, it was crazy, um, and then with the Roughnecks, there, there was one trip, um, uh, we were playing down in San Antonio, and it's funny. Whenever we had a home game, we had like twenty-five guys ready to play. Yeah. But when you had an away game, you were struggling to get fourteen or fifteen that would travel. <laughs> mm. um, you know, guys just didn't want to do it, or they had jobs or whatever. So, obviously, I was working at OSU, and um, you know, I I think it was in the summer, and we had a camp going on, and I I couldn't really be away. You know, I made supplemental income. I couldn't really up and leave, and. Mm-hmm. You know, the manager of the team kept calling me and, hey, we really need you. And, you know, our numbers aren't great. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, how many people, if I come, how many do we have? Because I really didn't want to go. And we only had 11 guys and get killed down in San yeah. Antonio. No, I want 14. And, you know, <laughs> Thomas going, Justin's going, this guy's going. And so we'll fly you in. We'll, we'll, we'll get you a one-way ticket and we'll drive you home. And so eventually they talked me into it. So I arrived, <clears throat> show up at the locker room. With me, there's 10 guys. We didn't even have 11. Oh, my gosh. Um, two of them are goalies, so one of the keepers <laughs> had to play on the field. And, and we got a red card after about 30 minutes. Oh, oh my gosh. We're playing 9 11. We could be like 4-1 or something. I was so angry at the, the team manager for making me go to that situation, and uh, it was it was awful. So, yeah, there's I'm sure there's a bunch of stories like that, but that, that was life in USL back then. That's That's what we all dealt with. So was it like a matter of like trying to find a coach to you know just fill the spot to make the eleventh person, How, or did you just go with ten? Yeah, we went with ten. Um, we, we played ten v eleven, and uh, we were hanging in there as best we could. And then, uh, like I said, one of the guys got red carded pretty early on, and at that point, it was uh, yeah, it was not good. <laughs> it was not good. I was gonna say four one. That's keeping it respectable. <laughs> I mean, I feel like uh, even even this season, you've beat some teams four uh, one. Um, yeah. Coach, uh, yeah, it was four. It was four going on ten. I mean, I think we <laughs> twice. The post, the keeper made some saves. It was crazy. Coach, I want to ask you, um, what is, what are your favorite uniforms that the that the cowgirls wear? You know, they can be either uh, retired uniforms or uniforms that you currently have. Uh, what are your favorite uniforms that you guys wear now? Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's been so many that you know the ones we have now are obviously Nike, and they just. We get them custom made, and they're awesome. Uh, the girls really like the black, all black. Mm-hmm. They just feel like, especially for night games, I'm not sure why, they feel like it's intimidating or they look good in them. I don't know what it is, but they <laughs> love the all black. I personally love the all orange. Uh, to me, orange is our school color, and um, 
you know, we have a thing where if we can, if, if the uniform choices work out uh, for Bedlam, we, we were already all orange. So, you know, going back, there's there's been a whole bunch that I like over the years, but any, any of the Nike ones that are the all orange, uh, to me, that's my favorite. Coach, uh, you say um, you said you were kind of um, you still get a chance to watch a lot of the pro um, soccer games um, whenever you get the chance to. What are your thoughts on um, VAR, and do you think that it's been helping um, soccer develop and get mm-hmm. um, even better than where it was at the beginning? You know, I have mixed thoughts on it. Um, I think the intention of VAR is very good. Um, you know, they're trying to. If a goal scored and it's called back for offside, I mean that that's really frustrating for any team. If if it turns out that the player was onside and could have scored, or if the ball crossed the line, and you know it was really put in for those moments. Um, but they, I think they've expanded it to too many situations. You know, double checking handballs or upgrading a yellow card to a red card. Uh, to me, you know the human the human element of the game. You know, coaches make good decisions and bad decisions. Players make good decisions and bad decisions. Officials make good decisions and bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And I think if they really stuck to those game-changing moments, like, you know, was it across the line? Was the player on side when they scored the goal? Um, maybe was it a penalty kick or not? I can live with those things. But, you know, they've, they've just started using it to almost re-referee games. Um, you know, because I think the game looks very different, you know, when, when you see it live, any sport, and then you see those slow-motion replays, I mean, you know, any of us can go back and go, oh, that should have been a foul or, or not. So I, I I like the technology because I do think there are certain moments in a game that they need to get right. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, when you're stopping it for so many different things and the game stops, the flow stops, and a referee gives a yellow and then goes to BAR, now it's a red, and things like that, I just... You know, I'm not a huge fan of that aspect of it. What's the craziest reason you've ever seen someone awarded a red card? Oh, man. I have to think that through. Um, <laughs> I remember in a, I think it was maybe a, I was coaching maybe a club game or something. And the opposing coach uh, got angry at, at a call and I don't know if you guys remember if they still even have these, like at 7-Eleven or whatever. Mm-hmm. They used to have those big gulp cups. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you fill them up with, like, Dr. Pepper or yeah. Gatorade or something. There was a huge big gulp, gulp cup. And the coach got angry at a call, and he turned around and kicked it. Well, when he kicked it, the assistant ref was right there, and oh, it just sprayed all over him. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, the center ref came over and ejected him. It was awesome. <laughs> Jeez. Coach, uh, if you have a big gold cup, what are you opting for? Are you a Dr. Pepper guy or maybe a Gatorade guy, a Pepsi? What what what, what type of drinker do you have? Yeah, I, I try not to drink Dr. Pepper because I'm I'm definitely partial to it. So if I was drinking any sort of soda, it would definitely be Dr. Pepper. Um, but these days I'm trying to stay away. So maybe a Gatorade would, would be the backup. But uh, back in the day, it was definitely Dr. Pepper. Got you. And uh, – my last question for you, I'm not sure uh, how much time you have. I really appreciate uh, all your uh, great insight yeah, and uh, sure. story recollection. Um, so yeah. this will probably be uh, my last question for you, um, but I'll put a little disclaimer because I'm not uh, exactly as in tune with the uh, kind of national uh, soccer circuit as Jacob and Adam are. So this might be um, a question with a moot point because uh, they might not make it. But I'm curious uh, if Scotland and the United States were to meet in a World Cup, either men's or women's, uh, who would you pull for? Man, that's a tough one. Um 
I'll start with the men's side. On the men's side, I would I would support Scotland. I think I had to. Um, you know, there's just that that that's it's always just going to be who I am and where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, very proud to be a U.S. citizen. Very proud that my family are American and things like that. So I pull for the U.S. just about every game. But I think the other thing is Scotland these days rarely make it that far, so that makes me yeah. have a chance. Um, so the, if the men were playing, I would I would definitely. I would go with Scotland, but it would be hard. Um, now, on the women's side, you know, if, if I say Scotland, AD's probably going to hunt me down and come get me. So I, if AD's <laughs> playing, I'm pulling for the U.S. against anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, if AD's not playing, whew, I don't know. That would be a tough one. <laughs> probably the U.S., just because of the familiarity. You know, we, we see a lot of these players come up through the youth and college ranks, and we know some of them. Maybe we even coach some of them at youth level. So right. Uh, probably the U.S. on the women's side, but on the men's side, I'd have, I'd have to go with Scotland for the sentimental reasons. Yeah, Coach, uh, 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 talking about AD, like as a coach, how does it make you feel to see one of your former players at, at the peak at their peak peak of their sport? Yeah, immensely proud. Um, you know, I was thinking about that the other day. You know, AD playing in the winning the World Cup with the U.S. team, playing in NWSL, and um, you know, getting to live out her dream that, that she had when she was a little kid. And to think that Oklahoma State and our staff played a small role in, in getting her to where she wanted to be is, it, it's just, it does. It fills you a, a huge sense of pride and happiness for, for AD. And, you know, I was talking with Courtney DK the other day, mm-hmm. just catching up. And, you know, she was reminiscing about her time playing for Nigeria, uh, playing against the U.S. at the World Cup. I mean, good Lord, I still get chills thinking about when she walked out. Uh, in the starting lineup for mm-hmm. Nigeria, um, Kumba So is, is actually in camp right now with uh, with uh, Switzerland, mm. and they're about to play France in a couple of friendly games, I think. So I was messaging with Kumba uh, a couple of weeks or about a week ago, and just you know catching up with her and seeing how awesome she's doing. And uh, you know, JC Jones right now is up in Kansas City mm. uh, trying to make their the, the NWSL team up there, and you know that would be a, a really awesome thing, you know, for one of the best people that has ever come not, not only a great player one of the best uh, people who's ever come through here and um you know and then having kim rodriguez right now you know in with a she was in a couple of weeks ago with a full mexican national team and she was supposed to be there right now but her flight couldn't get out oh, to wow. Stillwater, so she's actually had to not go to their most recent camp but i'm sure she'll get called back in in april when they reconvene so yeah when you see players you know just getting to do what they loved and you know like i said growing up as a little boy that, that's your dream to play professional and these girls or women are doing it at the highest possible level now and uh like i said if we played a small part in that then it just makes you so happy for them and you know you, you just feel a sense of pride when you see them represent their country it's pretty awesome absolutely so you told us you know growing up as a kid in scotland you always wanted to be a professional soccer player looking back on it you know, how cool is that to have fulfilled your dream of being a professional soccer player? Was it everything you was it everything you, invag- you uh, envisioned as a kid? Well, you know, for me, you know, being a pro would have been Liverpool, Man United, yeah. Rangers, you know, <laughs> yeah. Juventus. You know, that's who you watched on TV. Those are the stars. That's who you want to be. Um, you know, so the level that I played at was certainly, uh, it was fun. It was enjoyable. Uh, you made great friendships, and it was a good level. There was a lot of really good players who went on and had amazing careers uh, beyond the level we played at. But you know, it's uh, it's just a completely different world. You know, um, when you're playing in those 
minor leagues, for lack of a better word. Um, it's a different world than what those MLS guys are doing right now. So, uh, you know, I'm happy with uh, the way my career's gone. Got to play high-level Division One college soccer, made some great friends, learned a lot. Um, got to play very, very low-level professional soccer and, you know, had a blast getting to do what I love to do and getting paid a little bit of money to do it. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, parlayed that into an unbelievable opportunity here coaching and, you know, it's uh, it's great whenever whenever your profession is your uh, your passion, uh, you know, it makes for a pretty happy life. And I'm trying to think of a way to segue, you know, that that topic into this topic, which I just have to ask you because I've been wondering it. But how often do you uh, get complimented on your accent? <laughs> uh, complimented sometimes, made fun of sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, my accent is, you, you know, like I said, I, I was in Scotland. And then I played college soccer with Scottish, Irish, South African guys, Icelandic guys, English oh, guys. Wow. Mm. Um, spent a year in England after call, after high school, actually. Um, so, you know, my accent's been mistaken for Irish, Canadian, Scottish, Australian, New Zealand, you name it. Oh, <laughs> wow. Um, and then when I go to Scotland, they're like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from here. What are you talking about? So, really? Uh, it's kind of wow. like a man with no country. But uh, oh, yeah. no, I mean, you know, it's a very tame accent now. It's, it's definitely not as hardcore. But my wife tells me when I get angry with my kids, uh, if the voice raises and my players have said the same, it, it tends to get a little bit more Scottish because I think <laughs> it, it, it just kicks in. That sort of frustration or anger comes out. Um, thankfully, not too often, but... I've been told it, it usually kicks in a little bit more when I get fired up. Well, it's a good thing we've never heard that thick Scottish. <laughs> yeah. Scottish. Uh, now I just want to hear it. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> go down and you know listen to. Uh, wh- I mean, what's the what's the angriest you've ever been on a soccer field? Like like like. Oh man. Uh, just trying to think. <laughs> I bet I that accent was coming out during the uh, intramurals before Eskimo mm. Joe's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think in the intramurals when those guys. I'll tell you what, I did get angry one game they. They, uh, some guys, you know, some uh, college age, twenty two year old <laughs> strong guy, like slight tackled oh, uh, Christy, our, uh, our our assistant coach oh, from yeah. behind. Oh yeah, I got really mad, so I, I'm pretty sure I got him back. There was some retribution <laughs> was given at some point during that game, I think. But uh, I got a little angry there. But no, I mean, you know, I get fired up on the sideline as you guys see, and I'm, I'm very passionate. I love the game, and mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty good about leaving it on the field, whether I was playing or coaching. I, you know, I was competitive as the next person, but I'm I'm pretty good at being able to walk away and you know decompress, and an hour later just kind of okay. Well, I was mad, but now it's good. Sure. And hey, uh, have you ever been golfing in Scotland? I have. Um, I don't golf anymore. I did probably from age 15 to 25. I got to where at least I could hit the ball pretty consistently. Um, so I would go with my dad. My dad was an avid golfer, uh, still is. He's 82, and he still tries to get out there once in a while. Oh, wow. Um, so I, I have been, but, um, you know, it's just something that I wish I had stuck with. Um but if I take it up now, I think I will get angry because I don't have the patience <laughs> to do it. Um, but, yeah, I, I haven't been to any of the major courses, um, you know, Glen Eagles or St. Andrews or Troon or anything, but I've played quite a few smaller courses in Scotland just with my dad. Has your dad ever gotten to watch a game in Neil Patterson Stadium? No, unfortunately. Um, you know, he was here. My folks were here. I think it was maybe just before they started construction. 
Mm. Um, so he's been to quite a few games here in Stillwater, he and my mom, but uh, no, the, the stadium was being built three, four years ago, and they have not been here since. Obviously, as they've gotten older and their health isn't as good as it used Mm -hmm. to be, uh, the travel becomes quite difficult. So uh, I know they've watched games live-streamed, but they have not been in person. Are they pretty big Cowgirls soccer fans? Oh, yeah, they love it. My dad critiques every time I talk to him. He's like, (laughs) why didn't the team do this, or why didn't you do that? I'm like, really? (laughs) But, but yeah, they'll watch it, and if they don't get to watch it because of the time difference... They'll, uh, they'll check the website, you know, as soon as they can to see what the scores are. So, yeah, they, they love it. And they'll read the Ocali articles, of course. <laughs> you know. Of yeah. course they do, right? They'll critique you guys as well. He's, he's, not, he's not shy. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Coach, uh, it's been a fantastic conversation. I know the four of us are really looking forward to the season, as Absolutely. I'm sure you are. Um, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun with some ACC teams coming in, a, a rematch against TCU. I know we're excited for and Bedlam. We got Bedlam too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bedlam, Bedlam here, yeah. and and hopefully, well, I I wasn't there. You guys were there, and you said it was freezing cold. So it, ho- it, it was hopefully it's cold. not freezing cold <laughs> this yeah. time around. Yeah, it, it's gonna be interesting. We got some great games coming up. Yeah, hopefully the weather will uh, cooperate with us because obviously I'm, I'm hoping we're through the bad stuff now. And uh, yeah, we're just excited to get going. We haven't trained in three days, so we're gonna they're working out today, and we start training again tomorrow indoors. So. Um, you know, we feel like we're a little bit behind on our preparation, but ultimately we get to play, we get to do what we love, and mm-hmm. as long as we get to do that, we'll be smiling and happy all through the spring. Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. All right, guys, that was Coach Colin Carmichael of the Oklahoma State Cowgirl soccer team. That's all for for us. So for Adam Engel, Jacob Sturm, Sam, and Ben Hutchins, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you later.